We're here to talk about Mockingbird, the latest episode of Game of Thrones. I'm Jason Snell. Uh, Brian Hamilton did a fantastic job uh, the last few weeks, but I'm here to stink up the place now, at least to keep things <laughs> consistent. It's Monty Ashley. Hi, Monty. Hi. I've been here every week. I know. You were consistent. I, I I really enjoyed listening to you guys talk about the episodes. I was behind for a while, so I got to catch up, watch the watch the episode, and then listen to the podcast about it, which was, I thought, a lot of fun. So it's nice to be back. And you can learn all about that on Jason's new podcast, where he, right after he <laughs> listens to those podcasts... Uh, that's right. I, I just, you know, yeah, it's a podcast about listening to podcasts. So Mockingbird... Not we didn't have one of those twenty minute long big capper kind of scenes. This was a more traditional fly around to eight, like eight different locations episode of Game of Thrones. Yeah, um, although the locations in the opening credits did not match up to the locations we went to, and for some reason that really bothers me. I don't. Yeah, didn't in the first season didn't they really vary it based on where where we uh, were that episode? And this yeah. time it's like they dropped the bravos in there, and it's just like. Bleh. Now it's just in there. Bravos is still in there. The Airy was not in there, right. and the, I feel like it certainly could have been. Yeah, that's kind of a ripoff. And the Dreadfort was in there, and we had no Dreadfort. And we've only, in the entire show, had one, what, ten-minute scene in Bravos. So far, I do not feel like it has earned its opening credit sequence, no yeah. matter how cool that giant statue is. Yeah, it's true. I, 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 I agree with you. I want to see more cool locations I guess it just must be very expensive or something because they, they I feel like they set us up for expecting amazing things in that first season where they kept dropping them in and out and I think they're they're tired now. Yeah. So tired. They're so tired. It's true. In, in fact, rather than starting in a big sweeping location, we had a lot of scenes in Tyrion's tiny little cell. Yeah. Dark. Small. So dark that one of the establishing shots reminded me a lot of the cover of uh Meet the Beatles. Because huh. it was all black, and you only saw half of his face. So we have, well, we have two... So we start and end in Tyrion's cell, right? Uh, no, we ended in the Eyrie. Oh, we do, you're right, we ended in there. How could I forget? Okay, we'll get there. <laughs> that, was, that, was a big, that was a big moment. You're right, you're right. We had two big moments at the end of this episode. Yeah. But we start with Jamie basically going back to Tyrion after the uh, the trial where Tyrion dramatically demanded in the last minutes of the last episode a, a trial by combat. And this is the scene where Jamie basically is like, what the hell? I negotiated a whole thing for you, and this is what you do? Yeah. And Tyrion says he mostly did it out of anger at Shay, but a little bit to jab at Tywin because he doesn't want Tywin to get what he wants. It sounds like he was still hoping that Jamie would be able to protect him, but Jamie says, I can't do that. I'm just not that good a fighter anymore. And that's where Tyrion starts to really lose hope. Yeah, I, I think Tyrion expected that Bronn was going to be able to like get him and whip him into shape, and he always has this faith in his brother being a great swordsman. And you forget that he you know, doesn't have his hand. Um, and But I, I got to say, I felt like this was not just about Shay Shay made him mad, but this is about Tyrion getting back at his father. This is like a last act of um uh, just a backlash against his father. After all of this, he's like I got I they're setting me up 
and I'm not going to make my father happy. I'm going to I'm going to even though it's going to cost me my life, I'm going to make this as bad as possible for my father. Yeah, if he can keep Jamie from having any legitimate children, then he can end his grandfather's official Lannister line. Right. Even though everybody knows that Tommen is a full-blooded Lannister, he's still officially Tommen of the House Baratheon. Right. Well, and he's a bastard anyway, right? Because it's not like Cersei and Jaime were married or anything. Yeah. But he is a Lannister through and through. Extra concentrated Lannister, in fact. All the Lannister you could get. He's the Lannisteriest of all. He's the Lannistest. He is not... the Lannistest. That's right. Well, but but officially a Baratheon, even though he yes. has no Baratheon in him. So yeah, I just I love that 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 um, it's a great mixture too. Of Tyrion's got his well, um, Jamie says I you know you I thought you were the one you know you're kind of cold and calculating, and I didn't realize you could be, just do things out of out of rage and spite like this. And it is you can see the two parts of Tyrion warring with himself in that entire scene with Jamie, where he's like he realizes he is in deep deep trouble but at the same time he's still like um intoxicated with the fact that he is gonna stick it to his father you know stick it to his father by dying but stick it to his father anyway he also sticks it to jamie this is the second time that i can think of where Tyrion has referenced jamie sleeping with cersei and jamie does not like that every time he says that jamie layers at him and winces and 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 it's funny because i I thought, I mean, this is this is somebody who's um, doesn't care about uh, the artifice of society, right? So T- Tyrion is talking to his brother in a cell. Nobody is listening. It's just the two of him, two of them, and and everything Tyrion says is true. And he just says it bluntly. He's like, "Look, you slept with our sister. The kids are yours. You know, you killed you killed the king. You know, he just lists all these things. It's totally true, and everybody in Westeros knows it." And yet, uh, Jamie doesn't want to hear it. I think that's fascinating. That you know, it's, it says something about the the uh, things that Jamie tells himself to uh, keep going. When uh, for Tyrion, it's like, look, these are the facts. Let's let's go. Let's work through it. The, the, you know, da- Jamie doesn't want to hear it. Yeah, Jamie's willing to basically rape his sister next to their dead son, but he doesn't want to talk about it. That would be too real for yeah, him. Yeah, that's too much. That's too much. But I like that Tyrion's like, look, these are the facts. And and, and he doesn't say it with, I mean, maybe there's a little, he, he's he's needling him a little, but I, I feel like he doesn't really say it with malice. I feel like he's just sort of laying out, this is where we are. And and uh, Jamie doesn't appreciate that. And this yeah. is something I love about Tyrion is he's in this fascinating place now where he feels on one level like um, he can say anything because it doesn't matter because he's probably going to die. And yet there's also part of him who's trying to find a way out because he yeah. doesn't really want to die. He's for most of the episode he's very realistic. He's disappointed in Bronn, but he still offers Bronn his hand says I I understand why you're not going to take a suicide mission for me. I had to try. I yeah. I, I get the sense that it's like that. It's like come on. I can give you some stuff. Is that good enough? And and Bronn's like, nah, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get it. I, I it, the the mountain's gonna kill me. Yeah. And so and there was that nice uh, cutaway scene uh, where where uh, in in between when we see T- Tyrion talking to Jaime and, and Tyrion talking talking to Bronn, there's that scene where it's it's basically like, meanwhile, the mountain is killing lots of people. 
Did, <laughs> was there any reason for him to be killing those people, or was he just staying in practice? It's just practicing. I, I, I assume those are like prisoners or something that I, I don't know. I think, yeah, he was just warming up, getting the rust off. Yeah. Of being well, a, a giant murdering guy. We have to be introduced to the latest actor to play the mountain. Yeah, he, he they can't find a one mountain. This guy is like, he's a mountain. This guy, yeah. But he's like the I, third mountain we've had. He's the third guy in four seasons. Yeah. And I, I'm convinced by this guy. If I saw him coming at me with a sword, I would be very worried. Or even without a sword. I would try to find someplace small to hide that he can't yes. fit in because he is very large. Yeah, yeah. It's like that moment with the bald, uh, the bald Nazi bare knuckle boxer in Raiders of the Lost Ark, where, where uh, you know Harrison Ford looks at him and you're like, oh no, yeah, <laughs> like I'm not gonna beat this guy. This, I I can't do. It. Forget it. I gotta come up with some other plan now. And then towards the end of the episode, Oberyn comes to visit Tyrion, and Tyrion, while he's trying to, up until then, he's acted like he's accepted his fate. But he seemed really affected by the story of how he wasn't really a monster when he was a baby. Such a great scene. The the fact that Oberyn remembers Cersei freaking out. And it's not because Tyrion was a dwarf. It's because Tyrion's mother died in childbirth and that and Cersei always held it against him. And and that that's so great. And then the moment where you know Oberyn has that, I kept thinking, "This is my, this is the Inigo Montoya moment, yeah. right?" But I love the, I you, I, I am here where all these Lannisters are, and I like Lannisters dying. This is a perfect place for me to be. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, Tyrion's thinking, "Yes, yes, I also like it when the bad things yeah. happen to the Lannisters." <laughs> it's such a great scene. Ah. Uh, uh, yeah, that builds to that moment where he says, ah, well, uh, you know, because we know that the mountain did these terrible things to his family and to his sister and his sister's children. And uh, so he just lays it all out and says, okay, I will be your champion because I, I'm going to start, I'm going to kill lots of people here. And uh, let's start with the mountain, which I love his confidence. And indeed, the next episode is called The Mountain and the Viper. Ah. Uh, so action to look forward to there, I guess. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But I, I love that. That was just a wonderful scene where Oberyn, we've had him, you know, these last few weeks. And so we've set up that he's this, you know, roguish figure, but he's got a really interesting perspective. And uh, and now we get to see him being deployed uh, to get he'll finally get his revenge. And in doing so, he gets to be Tyrion's champion and give Tyrion a chance to survive, which is cool. And it's, and it's about time, too, because Oberyn has been screwing around a lot. Yeah, I meant screwing around metaphorically, but also apparently he's just been hanging out in the brothel. Yeah, so. yeah, this is what he does. He pops around. He's hanging. Out. He's like a, a agent of chaos. You get the sense that he his entire reason for being here is uh, to find ways of making things really bad for the Lannisters. Like just insinuating himself in. Sure, I'll be a judge on the trial, but why not? Uh, <laughs> just so that he can get find the right place to put the dagger that does the yeah. most damage. Yeah, I'm liking that character. Enjoying that character. Yes, he is fun. I also think Arya and the Hound are fun. That's a segue. I'm Good great job. Segues. And also the Mountain has a brother. Oh, yeah. The Hound. Uh, I, outseg- uh, so I see your segue. And I, uh, I, I match it. 
Uh, they, they, we we got there. Uh, we have yes, this week another episode of the Wacky Adventures of Arya <laughs> Mound. This week, a dying man is found. <laughs> I have to say, when Rorge told them what his name was, I felt that was sloppy work. He can hear Arya and the Hound talking, so when they have their little conversation of, "Is he on your list?" He can't be. I don't know his name. What's your name? Well, if you don't answer, then you won't get stabbed in the heart. <laughs> or, because you're holding a giant sword, maybe defend yourself. He doesn't... He's not a very good swordsman, is what I'm saying. No, I do not think he would have successfully taken the hound down, even if Arya hadn't been there to protect him. No, I think he uh, wasn't aware on the of the significance of being on Arya's list. And I think he underestimated her, right? She's just this little girl, and... Uh, uh, but that was that was um, I, I like the scene with the dying man because it gives you an opportunity to see the humanity of of uh, of the hound. And again, this is the show taking these characters that we should have absolutely no sympathy for at all and making us see sympathetic par- parts of them because the, the hound could easily have said, right, oh, well, he's dead. It doesn't matter. I'll just kill him right here, whatever. And instead they had this kindness. He gives him water. And then he kills him, but they, yeah. you know, lets him talk a little bit and, and, uh, sort of has, lets this man have his sort of final moments before he, he compassionately ends his life. And, um, I thought that was, uh, I thought that was really interesting. Also, it's a moment where, uh, Arya can drop her, uh, her, uh, secrets, her artifice about who she is, because she knows this guy's not going to make it. So she can just say, I'm Arya Stark. And the answer is, he has no idea who she is. And, yeah. And the hound. <laughs> The hound went right along with it. Yeah, uh, I'm her captor. I'm going to go ransom her. Yep. All right, well, nice meeting you. I'm going to kill you now. Yeah. And then later on in the other Arya and the hound scene, the hound got even more human. Because I'd never really thought about he and the mountain as children, as brothers. You wonder what their father was like. (laughs) I assume he was a big dude. I'm so large, yeah. (laughs) But that that, oh, that harrowing kind of story of why you know why is he afraid of fire and it's well the mountain threw him in the fire. Nice. Well, as I understand it, fire bad. Fire bad. That's right. Also, I'm told. Uh-huh. Also, bread good, and you know what else is good? Pie. Hmm. Yeah, I was so happy to see hot pie in this episode. Did you do what I did? I exclaimed, "Hot pie!" Yes. Just out loud. <laughs> Just disturbing everyone around me, I'm sure. Hot pie! I am rooting for that character so hard. <laughs> when I was recapping this show for Television Without Pity, the episode where he got left behind at that tavern, I spent, a, I think, at least three or four hundred words on how happy I was that he was dropping out of the plot and he might get to live a long, happy life cooking pies. Cooking pies. Yeah, well, uh, you know, he's he has really learned a lot in, since we last saw him about making a good kidney pie. Yeah, he looks like he's doing great. He has some and, boundary issues, right? He wants to tell everybody about his pies. <laughs> and Brienne uh, and Pod discover this. But uh, it was just, it's such a great moment of like, why is there this character who's, oh, it's a hot pie! So and exactly. I was worried for him because I figure anyone who's on screen could get killed at any minute. Any moment, yeah. But he survived his scene and he's still there. And again, I'm so happy that 
this character got swept up in the plot and then got spat out without dying. Yeah, and so he gets this little moment and he hears them talking. They talk about how they're looking for Sansa. And Pod thinks that, that that they should maybe lay off of that because people don't like the uh, the Lannisters here, which I'm not entirely sure I like the logic of that because if you're just saying you're looking for them, um, you know, I guess I guess the fear is somebody else will capture them and kill them and take them to the Lannisters. But I don't know. I think it's arguable. But the point is that the Hot Pie gives them information that nobody in the show up to now other than Hot Pie and Gendry basically have had and 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 the Hound, which is that Arya is alive. And yeah. and that's a huge piece of information that only comes out and Brienne says, you know, you were saying to Pod, because it's it's, you know, he was cautioning her against this. And instead, they are the first ones to discover that one of the other Stark children is still alive. And then Podrick gets his own little triumph where so far he's been pretty useless as a battlefield squire. He can't cook he can't do anything proper but he knows his heraldry yep. and he knows what families are related to which so he's right there with the information that they're probably going to the airy because that's who caitlin's sister is right and so they you get that moment where uh where brienne says are you sure and he's like well no <laughs> and they still go on the path to the right which presumably that's the you know there, there was no street sign there to say you know uh to, Tully to the left and uh, and uh, uh, the Airy to the right, but yeah, I was kind of hoping for a red, little Red Riding Hood style sign mm-hmm. where it says "Grandmother's house this way, shortcut through the woods this way." Yeah, exactly, exactly. But we we can assume that they're going in the direction that Pod recommended, and good for him. Yeah, that was a yes, the fork in the road, a metaphorical and literal fork in the road, and <laughs> and and she's going to take Pod's advice, and so that was a. That was really an enjoyable scene, too. Yeah. I will say I did not much care for the scene at the wall. Oh, this was... uh, Yeah, this is so... So it's John gets back and he hugs uh, Sam. But basically it's the... um, the guys up on the on the, the stage, basically, who are the, the the stupid bureaucrats who now run the Night Watch, not listening to John is essentially what yeah. we get. Like they established that they've established that in previous episodes, they established it again. Yeah, John saying people are coming, and they say shut up. Yeah, it is it is kind of annoying because I mean, to be fair, this is a, an organization run. And populated entirely by criminals and outcasts, and <laughs> like Australia, and they and they lost their their leader, the bear Mormont, who was actually a good leader, and they're not listening to the the old old Meister, right? So yeah. we're left with these jerks who have taken it over, and you know we get it, they're jerks, they should listen yeah. to John, and they don't. But it has that um, to borrow a line from The Simpsons. This has that feeling of one of those. It means it gets results, you stupid chief. It's one of those where it's like this is an obstinate set of characters for no other reason that they you know you want to frustrate the main character and you want to push the plot off. Yeah, like if they think he's lying about the giants and the armies that are coming, that's one thing. But they seem to believe him, but not care, and I'm not sure I can get behind that. Yeah, I would much rather have them not say 
well, we, I mean, the logic is so terrible, right? It's like this castle has stood for a thousand years and we've always had the tunnel open and so we will continue to have it open. Well, that's, that's not a terrible argument. That this is different. This something is happening here. I would much rather they say, well, if we, if we, if we try to do that, I'm not sure we can. And, you know, it would be hard. And, you know, what about this? Maybe we could get by without doing that by doing this other thing and having John say, no, no, you really have to do this and having them be like, well, we're not going to listen to you. You know, just something that that seemed reasonable because instead it's like literally they're just going, bah, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, you know, and we've seen that. I I guess, you know, they wanted us to check in there again, but I I, I agree. I, I love... Oh, oh, and by the way, get your wolf out of here. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's their biggest action they take is no dire wolves in the compound. Get it out. They, they're such bad people, they don't even like his doggy. It's a great doggy. It's all, the all-white, uh, super pretty doggy. Come on. But instead, they're like, nah, we're not going to flood the tunnel and get your dog out of here. That's how bad they are. They're very bad people. I so, They'll get theirs. They'll learn their <laughs> lesson. So you know what's going to happen is... We're going to have a scene in the tunnel where something that's afraid of dogs. Yeah, that's comes right. Running up. That's right. Say, if, if we only had that only dog. Only we right had here. the dog. No, I mean, we're not trying to spoil anything. We we're just making fun of how <laughs> stupid these characters are. Yes. Fear not those who are <laughs> afraid that we spoil things on this podcast. We don't. They're just really stupid people at the running the night's watch. How could they not? I, I, I have serious doubts that they're going to be proven right. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> that right. would be amazing. It would be. It would be. See, John Snow, stupid Lord Snow. We told you we didn't need to. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, to be fair, in the world of Game of Thrones, if you are a character in it and you bet on nothing happening right now, maybe something happens in years from now, but nothing's happening right now. Eh, you might be right. 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 I just yeah, the the lack of interest. I mean, it's just, it's fascinating and I I get it. They've they've done this so many times now. I think that's really the problem is that we've seen it so many times. It's the things are happening and and I'm warning you and then always it's sort of like, "Bah, whatever." And then now it's literally we just came back and saw them and they are coming and the the management decision for the Night's Watch is, "Bah, whatever." And we had this uh kid over here who says there's an army of wildlings south of the wall murdering and eating everybody yeah do you want to do anything about that Meh. Nah. 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 all right so the bad management again criminals and outcasts can what what a surprise they're bad managers <laughs> too we uh we get uh over over across the narrow sea we have uh we have Daenerys. She's decided to uh I don't care for her management style either. She's decided to take back the cities she is allowed to fall apart and that part uh, is okay. And she likes the um killing all of the major like high level managers of a city thing. That worked out so well in the crucifixion of all the masters of Yunkai <laughs> that she's decided to uh to do play that game again, which is uh interesting. Although although um Jora convinces her very quickly to take a different approach which i thought was interesting like very she doesn't even think about it. she's like all right we'll do it yeah. your way i'm not sure she should have had sex with dario although i'm not <laughs> saying i don't understand the impulse i mean the dude has a good accent and look at the guy <laughs> yeah he's all he's well i mean he's, he comes in and says my queen there are only two things i'm good at fighting and women and i have neither of those things right now <laughs> 
Also, is there any bubble gum? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm all out of fighting. <laughs> so but, she's like, all right, well, I don't want you to fight. So I guess it's the other thing. <laughs> if that'll keep you quiet for <laughs> 10 minutes, which I'm sure it does not, by the way. No. Yeah. And then she changes her mind as soon as Jorah comes in and he tells her, she tells him, tell him you changed my mind. So it seems like she's purposely setting her advisors against each other. Yeah. I question to, that management technique. Yeah. That created environment of jealousy and suspicion. Also, you know, that, that poor guy whose dad, who was actually against what the masters were doing and got crucified anyway. And they, mm-hmm. they gave, they, you know, they gave him his body back to be, to be, to be buried uh, or cremated and buried or whatever it was. Um, let's send him off to be my negotiator. Okay. That's all right. He's on your side now, right? I'm sure he won't mind that at all. He's just getting over the death of his father but and the return of his remains. But yeah, we'll see. He'll be my ambassador. Okay. I don't, I don't know what her, I, I think this is what we're supposed to think at this point is, is Daenerys is trying to figure out what the hell she's doing. She's not, she's decided not <laughs> to go. I would like it if she did. <laughs> yeah. She's not going back West. And she's, you know, Dario is there for fun, I guess. And now she's going to kind of consolidate her holdings in these other cities. Um, but it, it does it does feel like with the Night's Watch plot, it does feel like it's in neutral a little bit where she's yeah. just sort of spinning her wheels and making some commands. And it's it's moving very slowly. She's learning to be a true queen i guess i like that i like the idea that she's decided rather than just gathering supplies and going across that she's actually decided to get her like apprenticeship in queening in now yeah and then she'll when she goes back she'll be like hey already queen of like a bunch of stuff over there and they like me i'm not crazy like my ancestors so you know like she brings her resume with her along with the yeah. ship's full of Unsullied when she goes back to Westeros. Maybe I'm the queen of eight kingdoms. Yeah. Huh? Huh? Yeah, I got some cities over there. You know? Like, it's maybe a stronger argument for her. Yeah. Uh, and we went from Dario's butt... <laughs> yes. ...to... Melisandre's some... uh, boobies. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure I quite saw the necessity for that to be a bath scene. <laughs> no. Although the way Sanis' wife was looking at Melisandre, I assumed from the dialogue that it was supposed to be jealousy, but that was not only jealousy I saw in her eyes. No, for a minute I thought I wasn't watching HBO and maybe I was watching Cinemax. <laughs> just for a minute. Just, yeah. Just briefly. I may have turned to Cinemax at that moment. I don't know. <laughs> I, I was very, My hand slipped on the remote control. It's very embarrassing. It, it's... Yeah, I mean, on one level, it's sort of like, well, ladies, you've gotten your thing, and now here, guys, here's your thing. Except it's, ladies, it's, we got his butt, and then the rest is to the imagination. And, then, and and now here's a scene where one of the ladies is entirely naked for the entire scene. Entire scene. In a bath <laughs> that is designed to sort of focus all attention on her breasts, because yeah. she's sort of sitting up, and it's like a V, and yeah. I'm not saying I personally want to see naked men all the time, it's but a, I am sympathetic to the argument that there ought to be some to balance out the naked ladies absolutely. all the time. It's only it's only fair, and I I, yeah. I agree with you. I I don't really see. Uh, well, the one thing, the reason that you've got Melisandre uh, naked is because 
the I mean, her sexuality is at the the core of this weird relationship with uh, Stannis and his wife and Melisandre because she's, uh, you know, she is slept with with Stannis, and and so having the two women interact, having her be naked, I feel like is sort of like putting putting it all out on the table there. Like this okay, is sure. this is a this is an issue. I'm trying to explain it away. It is also just, hey, have we had <laughs> nudity for a while? Let's do some nudity. And I don't think the, that's much of a scene either, really. I mean, there's the I looked into the the fire, and we need to bring your daughter. Well, it's it implies bad news for the daughter who hasn't done anything to anyone. She just right. she's not happily sits well, in her cell. She's done reads. something. She taught she taught the Onion Knight how to read. Yeah, so it's all positive for her, is what I'm saying. But now she's got to be brought along on wherever they're going. And it seems like it's going to be bad news for her. Yeah, I would assume. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. Okay, well, I guess we should talk about the airy now. Yeah. Now that I've remembered the <laughs> dramatic things that happen at the airy, so we get first we get um, we we get Sansa building a uh, uh, snow castle, a snow Winterfell, complete yeah. with tree, which I really <laughs> liked that she's got a little tree in there, the heart tree. Yeah, and for just a moment she's happy cuz she's yeah. in the snow and it's probably been really hot and uncomfortable for her for a long time exactly in king's landing and now she's back yeah. to the cold that she remembers from her childhood and she's really good at humoring robin up to a point right i i did feel like when robin uh came out and and uh when he when he first crushed the one castle and she said oh you've ruined it that that the way she said it was more playful yeah, you've ruined it. I'll have to start again. And I think she's happy to start again because it means playing in the snow. Right. But then he keeps going and she slaps him across the face, which she might have learned from her husband, Tyrion. Impossible. Yes. Like that's, that's how you deal with a horrible little child autocrat. Yep. He is the slap master. So she's learned from the master. And... And Littlefinger I, says that's fine. He his mother should have done that a long time ago, which is totally true. Absolutely, that kid is out of control. Yeah, he likes he wants everything to have a moon door because it's fun <laughs> to watch people fly. But that doesn't work with something on the ground. You need a very specific position for your I, castle to have a moon door. I don't. I, think. I don't think he has ever been out of the airy. I no. think I think he thinks the whole world is mountain fortresses. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I live on the second floor. I could have a moon door here, but I don't think it would kill anybody. Would not have the effect, no. Would yeah. not have the same effect. you got to be much higher up to have a moon door. So then Littlefinger has watched all this. He comes out here, and he gets real creepy. Yeah, I want to understand the logic of, um, in another world, you might have been my daughter, but this is not that world, and so, can't you see it? I love you. I'm going to kiss you. <laughs> well, what? you aren't. You are not my daughter, and you're very much like the woman I love. Therefore, kisses. Yeah. It's and just really creepy to throw in that you could have been my daughter. Yeah. But you're not. Well, hey, come <laughs> come kiss this, not daughter. And he has just claimed that he killed Joffrey because Joffrey was cruel to Caitlyn Stark. Yeah, sure. Which I don't buy. Littlefinger will, will say anything. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure I've felt any... At any moment, he's been completely honest with anybody. Except maybe when he talks to Varys, and even then, you know. But, oh, 
neither of them are being truthful in those scenes. There's well, that's true. That's layers I, and layers. I, I don't know. I don't. Know. Somehow, I feel like in some ways, though, that's them at their most honest. <laughs> it's because they both are. They both know who who they are. Yeah, but well, I think they're being honest to each other, but. We are not trained to speak their incredibly complex language. Yes. Yeah, I think that's probably right. But yeah, here, uh, yeah, he does all that. And then, and then, uh, and then obviously crazy Lisa Aaron <laughs> goes, yeah. sees this and sort of almost tries to put, uh, put her out, put Sansa out the moon door, or at least seriously threaten to push her out the moon door. I think she was just threatening. It can't be that hard once you have somebody's head out over the moon door. If you really wanted to push someone from that position, I think you could. Although I'm surprised they always keep the moon door open. Yeah, I agree. Because it's snowing outside and we're hundreds of feet up and you have a giant hole in the floor. Sounds awful. Yeah, I I yeah, I would leave that closed most times. But they they're crazy and I think that's part of the point is that, you know, although yeah. all, we've seen her mood swings. And so if you're if you're if you're Sansa and you're standing at the edge of the moon door with your crazy aunt, she may not look <laughs> like she's going to push you out now, but at any moment she could just turn on a dime and just chuck you out. So fortunately, yeah. fortunately, Littlefinger is there to talk her down <laughs> and push her down. And push her out the door. Which I got to say, having read these books, I've been waiting for that moment for weeks now, and I was very excited to see it happening because <laughs> it is one of my favorite things that happens in any of the books. <laughs> well, she had it coming. Oh, man. She, she crazy. He's a really crazy, crazy person. And and I like that he, you know, again, we get to see Littlefinger say, he will say anything, right? He swears to the gods. He swears as her husband. He does all of the swearing that uh you know that there's not going to be that he'll send her away and whatever because he'll say whatever he needs to and yeah. then he'll do whatever he needs to and in this case he's he's married her he's sort of got the the control that he wants here and he just chucks her out the door cuz she is way too unreliable uh plus you know she knows the whole history of killing her husband and all yeah. of that so she's got to go <laughs> and, and what at, better place than a moon door and at the drop of a hat, she will shout, I've murdered for you in that murder plot we had. <laughs> I just. Yeah. Yeah. She does played. that again here. I've killed for you. Okay. It makes me wonder how crazy Aegon Targaryen was to be known as the Mad King when all of the local lords are really pretty crazy. Like you have to assume that the Targaryen was a lot crazier than Lisa and Robin Aaron are, right? And 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 Joffrey. I don't know. Maybe it's just a matter of degrees. The that he was he was king and he was crazy and he had lots of creative ways of of uh, getting people. I I I don't know. It was because uh, there's a lot of crazy to go around in this kingdom. Yeah, a whole lot of crazy. All right, so Mockingbird. Uh, that's the title. Well, yeah. What's that I, about? I believe it's a reference to Littlefinger. If I remember my uh, fake bird mythology correctly, okay. mockingbirds, don't they sneak into other birds' nests and take over? Uh, I think you might be right. In which case, he has gone into the airy, note, bird theme. Mm, and, bird. And uh, he has pushed the old bird out the window or out the bottom of the nest so now he is taking over that uh that nest that area 
That's the only connection to the a mockingbird that I can find in the whole episode. I'm afraid. Yeah, I I uh, I struggled with it too. I'll I'll go with your theory. That works with me. That works. That works for me. I thought this was a really good episode. I thought it was a return to sort of the kinds of episodes we saw the, the last couple of years, where you kind of move around, and there are some very interesting things with the you know, and and again, yes, a couple of the scenes in this case, Daenerys and Jon Snow didn't really work for me, but I, uh, uh, but a lot of good stuff, a lot of a lot of forward motion, and some really interesting scenes with with interesting groups of characters. Yeah, I'm seeing a tendency in this show to have either giant episodes or what everyone's now calling table setting episodes. Mm -hmm. And I don't think this was either one of those. It was just a good solid episode where the plot moved forward. Yes, there was a big moment at the end, but it wasn't earth shattering and it wasn't just spinning their wheels, setting pieces in place for what happens next. Yeah. A lot lot of this season has been the big episode and then this table setting and then a big episode and table setting. And that's not the structure of the previous years. And that was not this episode. This episode is one of those where there are a bunch of plates spinning, but, uh, but they spin well (laughs) and uh, you get the feeling like, yeah, I really got a lot of stuff out of this episode. Although having said that, after taking next week off, the next episode is the mountain and the viper and the pieces have definitely been put in place for that, oh, and yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. And then we've got the penultimate episode, which is always a huge one too. So we're into the we're into it now. This is probably the last one of these episodes we're going to get anyway this season. It's going to be crazy stuff from here on out. But, yeah. but next week we got we got next week off. Yes, Memorial Day. You and me and HBO are taking next week off. Woo! 